The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. The scripture passage for this morning is from Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we pray now over this text and pray that, that verse 36 would be true and all the more true in us and among us and through us that we might be merciful even as you, our Heavenly Father, are merciful and have been merciful to us in Christ Jesus. So I pray for a, an integrity and authenticity to our mercy ministries that our gospeling of others in word and deed would have an integrity to it because it would come from a, a merciful people, a gospel people, a people who are merciful because we know your mercy and therefore we show your mercy. So make it so, I pray, this important Sunday in the life of this church. Help us now as we look into your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week in our Strengthened by Grace series, we focused on being strengthened by God's grace. There is mercy toward us, that in his mercy toward us, he would empower us, enable us, transform us into being merciful people. And, and I got the idea from the text that, that, uh, that Zach just read and that I just prayed. And so we spent all of last week on putting God's mercy in the backdrop of his justice and wrath. 
Because you, you have a hard time seeing his mercy if you don't see it in reference to God's wrath against us as sinners. And we see that he, didn't, he has not responded to us in Christ with wrath, but, wrath, but with mercy and with grace and with compassion. Uh, one of you came up to me after the service and said, it's like the, the diamond at the jewelry store looks beautiful and brighter and you can see it more clearly when it's against the backdrop of the black velvet. So I tried to do last week. In mercy, God sees us in our sin and in our suffering, in our misery, in our unhappiness and in our distress and in our hopelessness without him. And in his mercy, he, he, he feels compassion on us and acted. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So all I tried to do last week is praise God in a nutshell for his common mercy. You could call it common mercy. His, his sending rain on the ungrateful and the evil, as verse 35 says, praising God for his common mercy, sustaining life on this planet for, for what, billions of people through the ages. And secondly, what I sought to do last week is praise God for the riches of his mercy to us in Christ Jesus. Call this God's gospel mercy. So God has common mercy to all people and God has gospel mercy to us who are in Christ. I just tried to just savor, relish, behold God's mercy to us last week. So now my aim this morning, it explains why I'm sticking with this text, is to go a step further and... Uh, but... What this text says to me in verse 36 is, is, I prayed this, that those who know God's mercy show God's mercy. Those who know God the Father's mercy show God the Father's mercy. And so I, I want to look at the, the rest of the passage. You know, last week we started at verse 27 in the, in the text that we read and then I just spent all the time on verse 36. In fact, the last fragment of verse 36. So now I want to do this morning is pull it all together because the rest of the passage explains, you know, what does that look like to be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful? You know, how do we do that? What does it look like? Verse 27 begins to answer that question. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. So, number one, to be merciful like God is to extend love to enemies to do good to those who hate you, to bless 
those who curse you and to pray for those who abuse you. So when, when mistreated or maligned, we respond with love and good and blessing and prayer. When dishonored, we, we don't lash out in vengeance. There's, there's a day of vengeance coming. There's a day of judgment coming. God has set a day for that, but we don't respond trying to pull that day forward. But we respond with these words, love, doing good, blessing, and praying for. Verse 29 goes further. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Oh my. (laughs) Not self-protection, not defensive retaliation, but generosity? A <laughs> couple things I want to say here. So, <laughs> I'll give you two Minneapolis stories. <laughs> One, on the way to church several years ago, uh, a man asked me what time it was, and I said, ah, it's about 7.15, and he pulled out a 9 millimeter semi-automatic chrome-plated pistol and put it in my face and said, no, it's time for you to give me your wallet. I gave him my wallet. (laughs) And I came to Bethlehem and I I taught a class on neighborhood ministry (laughs) with a a good starter story. (laughs) Give. Here's another one. This this spring, uh, my car was parked. These are all Sunday morning stories. (laughs) My car is parked in the parking lot, literally right across from those doors right there. And two times within 30 days, my catalytic converter was removed. Sunday morning, between 9 and noon. It's on video. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. To the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Now... (laughs) Give him my wallet. I didn't give him my shirt. Um, he took my catalytic converter. I, I think what God is calling me to do here, what Jesus is calling me to do here is bless. N- not to take personal vengeance. You put a gun in my face, I'm going to put a gun in your face. You steal my catalytic converter, I'm slitting the tires on your car. You cheat me in business, you will never work again. What Jesus is saying is, don't be a vengeful person. Do not take personal vengeance. Don't go killing people who do harm to you. And there are other texts that open the door for just rightful response to injustice, the authorities that God has put in our lives, like 
parents, Daddy, he hit me. And the church, tell it to the church. And the government, Romans 13, the, the government's charge under God is to bear the sword to punish the evildoer. So there's no contradiction in my head that we call the authorities, we call the police, I'll testify, I'll turn in the video, I'll give the evidence, see the prosecution happens, and that I love my enemy, do good, bless, and pray for. It's, It's laid down the personal revenge and vengeance and do good to those who do you harm. Forget about getting even. It's up to God. He'll do it through imperfect human authorities here on this earth and he will do it most certainly and perfectly on the day. Rest in him and do good. Be merciful. You know, why does Jesus focus so much on enemies? You might think, you know, why, is he, why does he focus here so much on enemies? Yeah, maybe you're thinking, I don't have any enemies. It's like, this is really easy to do. When he says, but I say to you, love your enemies, he's speaking into the context of this common Jewish teaching of the day. You can see it in the parallel passage in, in Matthew 5. The common teaching of the day is, is you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And so Jesus is saying, well, I say to you, love your enemy. What's his point? His point is, you ought not have two lists of people that, that you think about, you know, when you're, when you're loving. You, you have your, your neighbors and your friends that you love, and then he's, it's not merely that he's trying to add, like, well, make another list. List your enemies and love those people, you know, so you have, whatever, your family, you have 30 people of family and friends, or 40, whatever the number is, and then you have two enemies, and th- that, those are the people you should love. That's not his point at all. <laughs> you think of all the people in between, I don't have to love them, he is not talking about them. It's not the point at all. His point is, <laughs> I say to you, love even your enemies. <laughs> even your enemies. So you love your friends and your neighbors, of course. And, and he says, love your enemies, even your enemies. And what does that mean? Everybody in between. Everybody. It's called to love everybody and thereby be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful with his common mercy and his gospel mercy. Not only that, it also means to be merciful like God is to have a a generous disposition toward the needy who beg from us, or worse, steal from us. Verse 30, Give to everyone who begs from you and from the one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. (laughs) Give me my catalytic converter back. (laughs) Or maybe, wouldn't it mean, what kind of needs do you have? How, How can I help you? 
keep my catalytic converter. Actually, you, you wrecked it for me anyway. <laughs> Give to everyone who begs from you. You know, it, it's not an if anymore. Every, I mean, I don't know if it's every day for you. It's every day for me. Someone begs from me at the intersection. Every day. Perhaps for you too. I, I think what Jesus is calling for is a generous disposition of mercy to that person. A generous an inclination to give. Like, help me think of why I shouldn't give this person. Rather than, I'm not giving to you. Forget it. I'm not going to tell you what to do every time. I mean, there are other texts here, too. You know, he doesn't work. Let him not eat. There are other texts just calls for wisdom, but I think what Jesus' point here is a disposition of mercy to the one who begs and the one who steals. Not only that, to be merciful like God means to offer to others the same goodness and kindness we would hope to receive from others. It's the golden rule. It's in verse 31. As you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. Climb into their skin. Imagine that you're them. And ask yourself, how would I want people to treat me? Not only that, to be merciful like God, is to show mercy expecting nothing in return. It's, it's not as many people say today, uh, I'm just going to give back to the community. The community gave me something, I'm going to give back. And then it's going to keep going back and forth. It's not to pay it forward. I'm not even sure I know exactly what that means, pay it forward. It's not a quid pro quo. It's, it's not a I scratch your back so that you'll scratch my back. Verse 32 through 35. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to, to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. We've received God's mercy by His grace as totally undeserving and not by our works. <laughs> We're totally undeserving of God's mercy and there's nothing that we can do to pay God back for His mercy. 
nothing. He wants no payback. To pay him back is to blow up the dynamics of the grace and the mercy and the gospel. So, you know, you think about it. To show mercy, this person, to show mercy to this person, they don't deserve my mercy. That's the point. <laughs> That's the point. That's the pointer to the gospel. That's the glory of God being displayed as we show mercy to those who cannot pay us back. We show mercy to those who do not deserve our mercy. We show ourselves to be chips off the old block. That's number five that I have here. To be merciful like God is to seek the great reward of being children of God, enjoying and, and, and spreading His glory. You know, what's the reward He's talking about? I think it's explained right here, verse 35. And your reward will be great. What's the reward? You will be sons and daughters of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. It's the reward. It's the reward of being children of God of belonging to him, of glorifying him by reflecting his glory in how we treat other people. It's the, it's the joy of resting in his mercy. Those who know God's mercy show God's mercy. Well, application, I mean, just let me, let me pivot right here now. Like tonight, we'll vote on whether to become a separate church once again. And uh, you might think, well, why did I pick this text today on Christ's command? Be merciful as your Father is merciful. I'll tell you why. Because I believe that one of the godly traits of a congregation that will be faithful and fruitful to our mission right here in downtown Minneapolis is one that is made up of people who, like our Father in heaven, have become merciful people, compassionately engaged both in common mercy and in gospel mercy for the joy of all peoples around us. That's why. Mercy, mercy sees Mercy feels compassion, and mercy acts. I mean, I, I, I thought I should say, close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes. It bugs me kind of when people say, close your eyes. <laughs> you think, what are you going to do? Uh, whether you close your eyes or not, imagine in your mind's eye, just, just look with the eyes of mercy around. Look around. Human sin and suffering and need are all around us. They're all around us in our 
in our spheres of proximity. They're all around us here where we worship. They're all around your neighborhood where you live. They're all around the the sphere of relationships where you work. Mercy sees children. Children neglected. Children without engaged fathers or mothers, absent parents. Mercy sees children growing up exposed to things that children should never be exposed to. Taught things that they never should be taught. Mercy sees. Did you hear the report about the death of the 14-year-old girl, Molly Russell, stated that she died, quote, coroner's report, as an act of self-harm while suffering from depression and the negative effects of online content. Mercy sees girls increasingly anxious and depressed and suicidal and boys increasingly having mental health problems as well. Mercy sees the overdose statistics with all on the rise, and yet the contribution of opioids is tragic. Mercy sees college students heading off to college to be shaped Will they be shaped by the truth or will they be shaped by falsehood? In college, you know, the increase of alcohol abuse coupled with the increased probability of sexual assault? Mercy sees marriages in varying states of brokenness. Mercy sees Immigrants. Mercy sees legal immigrants and mercy sees illegal immigrants and refugees. Mercy sees the urban poor. Mercy sees the ethnic communities, the native community, the black community, the Latino community, the Asian community, and all kinds of other groupings of ethnicities. Mercy sees. Mercy sees the people who live and work downtown and scattered throughout the metro who may not have the same financial needs as the urban poor but have needs just the same and suffer from sin and unrighteousness. Mercy sees the, this city and all its functions or dysfunctions they need to be fixed. Mercy sees and mercy feels compassion. And mercy acts. Mercy acts. So God's mercy did. Mercy acts, oh, to be a congregation of people 
strengthened by God's grace, treasuring his mercy to us in Christ, engaging in fruitful ministry here in Minneapolis and around the Twin Cities for years and years and years to come. That's why I'm doing this today. On the threshold of global, got to be merciful people to do, to do global as well. Well, let me key in on the two phrases, common mercy and gospel mercy. Two ways to reflect God's mercy here, locally. Number one, common mercy. You know, as God shows his mercy on all people by his common mercy, we can have a common mercy response to to a vast range of human suffering here on this earth. Common mercy. Ranges from the one-on-one type of mercy to smaller groups to planned, organized mercy organizations. Uh, You know, in the one-on-one common mercy, that's what the Good Samaritan parable is all about. You know, the, the parable of Jesus in Luke 10. Jesus is asked the question, who's my neighbor? And he really turns the question on its head. And instead of answering this question from this Jewish lawyer about who is your neighbor, like, like, who should I love is what he's trying to zero in on, trying to narrow it down. Uh, Jesus flips it on his head and, and <laughs> makes the Samaritan the, the one who is neighborly in contrast to the three religious leaders who do not help the man laying in the road beat up, robbed, and half dead. And Jesus closes the account with, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And Jesus said, it's the one who showed him mercy. Go and do likewise. One-on-one random, spontaneous, providential mercy opportunities. There are countless of these unorganized opportunities in our lives, and they just come by proximity in and among the the people we live with, work with, where we go to school, where we, our neighborhoods and people around this church. You know, God has kept Bethlehem providentially here in downtown Minneapolis. You know, when, just if you want one physical sign of it, that freeway, wherever we are, that freeway right out there, if it would have been planned a block this way, we wouldn't be meeting here. There were churches over there. They're gone. He's kept us here. And being here provides us with countless opportunities for common mercy. I mean, this can be as simple as inviting a neighbor over for dinner, someone you meet from church, a neighbor at your house, inviting a college student over for dinner, helping a person, helping the person who's sleeping in our stairwell. A couple of Sundays this this spring, the man who was on the sidewalk out here earlier this spring, Sometimes these 
common mercy opportunities turn into lifelong relationships. People are brought into, I mean, this has happened here, brought into your family for years. But most often they're simple. Most often they're simple, one-time opportunities that no one will ever see or know about or remember, but God. I'll tell you one. This is strange. This is a strange one. Uh, One day I happened to see a man, or excuse me, a woman, erratically walking down the road, falling down in the middle of the road. This is right here in South Minneapolis between where I used to live and, and the church. And so I went to her and, and extended a hand to her and tried to lead her to the, to, to the sidewalk while I'm calling 911 to send the paramedics for a wellness check. She is not for a wellness check. She is not well. Chemicals. But she persisted. She, <laughs> she wanted to walk in the street. And, and she continued to fall down and the cars are snaking by. And... So she held out her hand to me again, and I helped her up. And, and um, this is like the third time I got her to the boulevard out of the street, and she wants to turn around and go right back out there. So I stuck out my leg, and I tripped her. <laughs> Gently, I still have her hand, and I let her down on the ground. <laughs> and, and we wait there on the boulevard with me, Three, four times, she's getting up. I'm tripping her back down. (laughs) Gently, I promise you. She was not small. Yeah. And we waited for the paramedics to come. And you know, I would not be surprised at all if she had no memory of this weird guy who kept tripping her while the paramedics were... I mean, I don't know if she would have been hit by a car. But if you're out of your mind and you're walking in the street, what would you like somebody to do for you? It's common mercy. God knows it. There's organized common mercy as well, you know. Um, I, I picked up a book I've had for quite some time called How Christianity Changed the World. And it... Uh, documents the impact of the Christian church on the world for the last 2,000 years. And I went to the chapter on charity and compassion, and the author lists initiatives such as these. These are mercy initiatives. The church in initiating care for widows, Care for needy persons, funds to aid the poor, associations to care for the poor, godparents for orphaned children, adoptions and orphanages, and care for the mentally disabled, and institutions that cared for the sick, like early hospitals from the church. And all that was before the year 400. There's a longer list. Why do you think it was Christians who organized these, these assorted compassion efforts to, to relieve human suffering? 
It's because those who know God's mercy show God's mercy. And at Bethlehem downtown here, uh, we, I, I love this story that we, we were founded with this mercy to immigrants. You know, this was Swedish, this was first Swedish Baptist Church, and one of the early outreaches that I've read about is, is the, the people from this church going to the train station on Washington Avenue, holding up signs in Swedish that say, we'll help you find housing and we'll help teach you English. And mercy to immigrants and refugees has continued to this day here. And I love it, the, 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 the story of the girls' clubs here in the neighborhood and the backyard Bible clubs and the adoption ministry and foster care ministry and Jericho Road ministry, which we just heard about. And, and what I'm thinking right now is, you know, tonight we're voting to become a separate church. Dream a dream. Dream a mercy ministry dream. What do you see? What do you see that can meet this, the, the common needs and, and engage in mercy? May God bring about new avenues of common mercy through us, through this church. That's common mercy. There's gospel, ministry, or gospel mercy as well. You know, God, God, praise God, he did not merely show his common mercy to us, but his gospel mercy. And, I mean, God's mercy is described with these great words. It's his tender mercy, Luke 1. He's rich in mercy, Ephesians 2. His great mercy, 1 Peter 1. It's described as sovereign mercy in Romans 9 and 1 Peter 2. And it's his saving mercy, Titus 3. Gospel mercy, gospel mercy. Well, how do we be merciful like our Father in heaven is merciful in gospel mercy? We can't save anyone like he can. We can't save anyone, but as children of God who are merciful like our Father in heaven, we can make known his mercy, the gospel, to people suffering the misery of sin and all the suffering that comes as a result of it. We speak. We speak gospel. That's how we bring gospel mercy. Dr. Steve Childers, who was very influential in, in advising me on how to uh, structure our church planting efforts and how to birth the Treasuring Christ Together church planting network. One of the things he said more than once was his conviction that the gospel will advance more in the 21st century through hospitality than through the strategies that seem most fruitful in the previous century. Hospitality. Hospitality can be done one-on-one, -on -one, often done in smaller groups, often starts as common mercy. Inviting someone over for tea, or for coffee, a meal, 
and the conversation goes from common mercy and care and love to gospel mercy as God provides opportunity. I mean, there's a book, if you haven't read Rosaria Butterfield's The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radically Ordinary, I gotta start over again. The title of the book is The Gospel Comes with a House Key, colon, Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in our post-Christian world. Order it from the bookstore. It's worth catching a vision for how hospitality can help you advance in common mercy and gospel mercy. I need to close. May God make us know more and more of his mercy and treasure more and more of his rich, great, tender mercies to us in Christ, and thereby may we be strengthened by his grace to be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. And oh, let's see what God does through Bethlehem Baptist Church, Minneapolis, Inc. (laughs) We're just us. If the vote goes through tonight, we're just us. And all the more, Lord, bless this people, this congregation for mercy impact here and outward for the glory of Christ. Father in heaven, make it so. Make it so. Make it so for the glory of your name through kindnesses and love toward people around us suffering in sin and loss and and all the stuff of life. Grant that we would glorify you in mercy and love through the gospel for years and years and years to come, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 720- 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.